بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ ٹوڈے از دا ایٹینتھ آف جون ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمدللہ وی موو آن And I've reached verse 58. So inshallah today, going through up to and including verse 62. So verse 58, Audhu Billahi Mani Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Those who leave their homes in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and are then slain or die on them, will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestow verily a goodly provision. Truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is He who is, is He who bestows the best provision. So here there's a few reports. In Ibn Abi Hatim and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Shurrahbil Ibn As-Simt, Rahmatullah alayhi lalit. We spent a long time besieging a stronghold in the land of the Romans. Salman al-Farsi radiyallahu passed by me and said, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever dies guarding the borders of Islam, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will then give him a reward like that reward of a martyr and will provide for him and keep him safe from trials. Recite if you wish. And he recited verse 58 and verse 59. So verse 59. Verily, he will enter them to an entrance with which they shall be well pleased. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing, the most forbearing. So, what was the great Salman al-Farsi highlighting? He was highlighting that the Prophet was saying, that you don't need to get martyred to get blessed. You simply need to be in the path of Allah. If you're in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you die a normal death, Allah Ta'ala will still reward you. So martyrdom, of course, is the, is the pinnacle, but Allah Ta'ala will not deprive. And where's the proof? If you look at verse 58, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, those who leave their homes in the path of Allah and are slain, that's the martyr, or die on them, will Allah Ta'ala bestow a goodly provision. So obviously the slain are the martyrs, who are those who die? Those who die simply in the path of Allah also are deserved. And also in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Shurahbil Ibn As-Simt, he also relates Rahmatullah. Abdul Rahman Ibn Jahdam Al-Khawani, Rahmatullah, was with Fadala Ibn Ubaid, radiyallahu, when they accompanied two funerals on an island, one of whom had been struck by a catapult, And the other had passed away peacefully. So stop in the report. So they're basically in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're on an island. Two men have died. One was killed by a catapult. The other passed away peacefully. Fadala ibn Ubaid radiyallahu. He sat by the grave of the man who passed away peacefully. Someone then said to him, Are you neglecting the martyr and not sitting by his grave? Fadala radiyallahu said, I do not mind which of these two graves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would resurrect me from. 
Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited these two verses, verse 58 and 9. He then said, What else should I seek or serve if I were to enter an entrance to his pleasure and be provided goodly provisions? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would not mind which of these two graves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would resurrect me from. So the same principle. So the people thought it's strange that he's sitting next to the one who died peacefully, not the one who was martyred. And he highlighted that they're both honored. And then what does he say? He goes, what does Allah Ta'ala promise the one who simply dies in the path of Allah? He will enter him to an entrance with which he will be well pleased. Verse 59. He goes, what greater honor can there be? So he goes, I don't care which of these two graves. So this is something which is not often mentioned about the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People think the only ones who are honored are those who get martyred. And the answer is no. Soon as you are in the path of Allah, and if you merely die in the path of Allah, you will be honored as promised in these two verses. And also this is very similar to another passage. In Surah 4 verse 100, in Surah Nisa verse 100, again the same principle. So the report mentions, this is in Ibn Manda, Ibn Abi Hatim al-Isaba Hayat al-Sahab. Damara ibn al-Isa of Banu Layth was a blind man in Makkah but he was a wealthy person. So stop in the report. So there's a companion. He's a, he's a wealthy man but he's blind. On the revelation of verse 98 and 99 of Surah Nisa and it simply says there in those two verses that they need to migrate unless they're excused. On the revelation of these two verses Damra radiyallahu said, although I am a blind man and I have been excused in this verse, I still have enough money, a servant and a carriage to migrate. Hence put me on the back of the animal and I will migrate. He undertook his journey in such a condition that he was ill on reaching Tanim, where he passed away and he was buried there near the masjid. Verse 100 was thereupon revealed. He who forsakes his home in the path of Allah finds in the earth many a refuge wide and spacious should he die as a refugee from home for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger his reward becomes due and sure with Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of forgiving the most merciful. Same principle. This man was blind. He didn't need to migrate to Al-Madinah, uh, uh, to the Prophet but he still migrated. But he died. He didn't get to the Prophet So a question goes, was, will he get rewarded? So Allah Ta'ala says, if he dies, his reward becomes due. So note, it's not completing the deed. It's the intention behind the deed. And a similar report is recorded in Abu Ya'la Al-Haythami states Sahih in Majma Az-Zawain Hayat Al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 453. So not the same principle is mentioned there. And also, if you notice, Allah Ta'ala says in verse 58, Allah Ta'ala is the best provider and he will provide them risk and hasana, the best provision. So what is Allah Ta'ala promising them there? After death, we can only think of rizq in a metaphorical sense. All the provision necessary to equip the person for a full and happy future life and a provision for his dependents and near-day ones in this life. 
So it's a good question. If a person dies, why does Allah Ta'ala say, I, I promise him a good rizq? He's dead. Rizq finishes when you die. So the scholars point out is this rizq must be talking about the rizq he needs in the grave. The rizq he needs on the day of judgment. The rizq he needs on the bridge of Sirat. And of course, entering paradise. So Allah Ta'ala is promising them a goodly provision. But at the same time, it could also refer to those whom we've left behind. Because obviously he's passed away, he's left a widow, he's left children, etc. Allah Ta'ala promises to look after them. So in a simple two-word statement, Allah Ta'ala says, risk on hasana, I'm the best to provide. An example of that was Ja'far. Ja'far ibn Abu Talib was martyred in the battle of Mu'tah. And he left his wife, Asma bin, uh, Asma bin Umais, and left young, young sons. So the Prophet went to them and he gave them the news that the, the husband has been martyred. And then he made dua for them. So apparently she's a widow. She's got young children. Who's going to look after them? She married Abu Bakr. So then after Abu Bakr passed away, she married Ali. So was Allah looking after them? He's promised. He promises to give them the best rizq. Now if you look at verse 59, what does Allah then promise? Verily he will enter them to an entrance with which they shall be well pleased. For Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing, most forbearing. So what does this mean? So if you go to another passage, in Surah 4 verse 31, Surah Nisa, in Surah 4 verse 31, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentions there a verse which is very comforting, the translation. If you keep away from the major sins which you are forbidden, we shall expel out of you all the evil and admit you to a gate of great honor. So first of all, this verse, why is it very comforting? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, if you keep away from major sins, I will forgive your minor sins. So a person goes, how is that comforting? <laughs> Which one of us doesn't commit major sins? So the response is, Imam Ahmad, Rahmatullah, he said to his student, Imam Abu Dawood, the famous Muhaddith, Rahmatullah, in Qurtubi, in his tafsir, volume 5, page 55 of the New English Translation, he said, Rasulullah will intercede for the major sins. So if Allah says in this verse, if you keep out of the major sins, I will forgive the minor sins. The major sins will be forgiven through intercession. <laughs> so the, if the major sins are forgiven through intercession, all of your minor sins Allah promises to forgive, you're forgiven. <laughs> so note again, the great kindness and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But why have I mentioned this here? If you look at the end of verse 31, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He will admit you to a gate of great honor. What does that mean? <coughs> so in a nutshell, the hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari and Sayyid Muslim. It was a battle of Hunayn. And after the initial ambush, the Muslims recovered and the unbelievers then started retreating. There was a second phase called the Battle of Autas. In the Battle of Autas, a companion called Abu Amr al-Ashari was leading. And he was struck in his knee with an arrow. And when he was struck in his knee in his arrow, that ultimately led to his martyrdom. Because he was poisoned and it spread. So that Sahaba Abu Amr al-Ashari who told his nephew, Abu Musa al-Ashari he was giving my salam to the Prophet and tell him to make a dua for me. So when he was martyred, Abu Musa al-Ashari first 
found the man who had struck the arrow. He dueled with him, he killed him. When he came back to the Prophet, he told him what had happened. The Prophet made a dua. Because he did wudu. He faced the Qibla. He made a dua for Abu Amr. Because Ya Allah, honor him above others on the Day of Judgment. But then Abu Musa then said, Radiyallahu, he goes, Ya Rasulullah, make, make a dua for me. <laughs> so the Prophet then said, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, admit, and he mentioned his real name, admit Abu Musa to a gate of great honor on the day of judgment. So on the face, we're thinking, okay, mashallah. What was that in reference to? This verse. <laughs> what does verse 2 and 4, verse 31 say? karima." <laughs> And he will admit you to a gate of great honor. So if Allah is promising this, and Abu Musa was given this, this is a tremendous honor. So now, how is this linked to this verse? If you are honored, you will be given a mudkhalan kalima, you will enter the gate of honor. In this verse, in verse 59 of Surah Hajj, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? La yudkhilannahum mudkhalan yarudawna Verily, he will admit, he will enter them to an entrance with which they shall be well pleased. So he's explaining. Mudkhalan Karima, the gate of honor. In this verse, Allah says, you will be well pleased when you enter that gate. So not who's been referred to. Those who simply die in the path of Allah. Not martyred. Those who simply die, they'll be given this honor by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 60. That is so. And if one has retaliated to no greater extent than the injury he received and is again set up inordinately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will certainly help him for he is one that blots out and forgives again and again. So in this blessed verse, Allah ta'ala is mentioning that you can take your due. If somebody has injured you, you can take your due uh, retaliation. But if you forgive and they do it again to you, Allah will help you. Allah loves those who forgives. In other words, you're never at a disadvantage when you forgive. The person who thinks you are, he may take advantage. But Allah says, I am with you. And then he says, He uses one of his attributes. I am Af. Af, A-F-W, it means the one who erases and never brings it back. Famously, this is the dua on the night of Qadr. Allahumma innaka afu wal tuhibbul afwa fa afu anni. Tirmadi hasan sayyih. The Prophet said, if you catch the night of Qadr, you should say, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you love to erase. Allahumma innaka afu wal tuhibbul afwa. You are the eraser, you love to erase. So please forgive me. So you're asking on the night of Qadr not just to forgive your sins, but never to bring it up again. So Allah uses the attribute here. I will, I am, I am al-af. I will erase and I will never bring it up again. Meaning, He's showing extra special mercy to you if you have these qualities of forbearance and forgiveness. So how interesting when Allah talks about the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He's talking about mercy. Why? Because we're not bloodshedders. We only go on to the path of Allah for the sake of the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Verse sixty-one. That is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala merges the night into the day. And he merges the day into the night. And verily it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who hears and sees I all things. So now in another passage, in Surah 25 verse 62. Surah 25 
Surah Furqan, verse 62. Allah Ta'ala says something very similar. It is he who made the night and the day follow each other. For such as have the will to remember and to show gratitude. So now there's a few things mentioned here. So after mentioning the night and the day, why does Allah Ta'ala say, for such who has the will to remember and to and to show gratitude. So it mentions in Abd ibn Humid and others that Hassan al-Basti, he recited this verse, Surah 25, verse 62. He explained, if a person does not do any good at night, the first part of the day reprimands him. If a person does not do any good during the day, the night reprimands him. So let's look at this. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He causes the night and the day to follow each other. For such as have the irada or arada, who has the intention to do, to praise and to show gratitude, Allah Ta'ala is basically saying that I've given you the night and day to worship me. So what did Hassan al-Basri say? He goes, therefore, if you don't worship him during the night, the day reprimands you. Why did you waste the night? And if you don't worship during the day, the night reprimands you. Why did you waste the day? So this is the meaning according to Hassan al-Basti, meaning when you don't remember your Lord, you are literally wasting your life. And also, Hafiz ibn Qayyim, rahmatullah, in his Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 1, page 274 of the English translation, he recited the verse, Surah 25, verse 62, and he explained, Abdullah ibn Abbas and many others, they said that the day and night succeed in that one of them takes the place of the other. When one misses performing good actions in one of them, one performs them in the other. So now this is what's interesting. If you miss your worship during the day, something happens, you had an excuse, you forgot, you should make it up at the night. That's the meaning according to many of the Salaf of this verse. Or if you oversleep, let's say you miss the hajjah, your regular pattern is to offer the hajjah, but you oversleep, you should offer it during the day. But how do you offer it during the day? You're nothing. Salat al-Duha, after the Zohr. He goes, that way, he goes, you are acting upon this verse. You are always making sure that even if you have a genuine excuse, you don't need to make it up. You're not sinful, but that's a sublime trait that you do it during the day or the night. And this is why Shakik he relates, that a man came to Umar ibn al-Khattab and he said, I missed the hajjid last night. Now what's funny about that? <laughs> Whoever says that to us, you know what we say is, I missed fajr. So obviously righteous time because I missed the hajjid. So Umar said, make up for what you missed in the morning. Verily Allah the Almighty and Glorious, and he recited this verse, Surah 25 verse 62. He has put the night and day in succession for one who desires to remember or desires to show gratitude. So Umar gave a tafsir of this verse. He goes, that's what it means. You need to make it up. Then you are amongst those whom Allah Ta'ala is praising in his book. But be honest. Kaza Tajid. You know, is that something that we even think of? Kaza Tajid. Kaza Farad. We're not about Tajid. But this is another thing. And also Hassan al-Basri. In the work by Hafiz, uh, Imam Ibn al-Jawzi, in his work, The Beacon of Basra, Hassan al-Basri, page 106 of the English translation, he recited the verse, Surah 25, verse 62. He said, 
Subhanallah. How vast is the mercy of Allah. How encompassing is his favor. How subtle his creation. He gave whoever failed during the day another chance in the night. And whoever fell short during the night another chance in the day. So Hassan al-Basri was saying, this is the great kindness. Allah has given you another opportunity to make up because he knows that you feel grief and it's true. Once you start doing a deed regular and you miss that deed, you feel grief. You notice that. That's a, that's a sign of Iman, even though it's not obligatory. So, for example, you might be offering a, novel, uh, uh, a daily zikr. And you miss it. You forget. How do you feel? <laughs> even though you know Allah is not going to, you know, he'll still give you the reward. You still think, oh, and there's, that's a sign of Iman. But Allah Ta'ala in His kindness, He goes, make it up during the night. If you missed it during the day. You don't need to, but if you do, this is even better for you. So note, this is helping to explain this passage, i.e. where Allah Ta'ala says, in Surah Hajj, verse uh, 61, that is because Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala merges the night into the day, and He merges the day into the night, and it is Allah who hears and sees all things. And there's a beautiful report which explains this further. In Ibn Adi, in his Al-Qamil, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the days and nights are months. Ride them carefully to your destination. Look how beautiful. The days and nights are months. Ride them carefully to your destination. So what? how beautiful is that? What? How did the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, describe your days and nights? He goes, they are your transport. Somebody goes, okay, so what am I to do? Driving carefully to your destination. Where am I going? Going to your grave. <laughs> so your days and nights, you should always think this is another mode of transport Allah has graciously given me. This day, how am I using it? Think about that. Do we think like that? Do we just think, oh, we've got plenty of days, we've got plenty of nights. Days and nights just pass. It's the nature of things. It's not the nature of things. You should be thinking deeply about your days and nights. Verse 62. That is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-haq, the truth. And those besides him whom they invoke, they are batil, falsehood. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most high, the most great. So this is one of the few verses in which Allah ta'ala mentions is al-haq. He is the reality. Now what does that mean? The Prophet wasallam was asked, what was before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And the Prophet said nothing. Now, how does that answer this attribute? Because he's, he's the reality. If there was something before him, that means he's not the reality. But can your mind register that? You know, be honest. You know, we have just said a few words. There's nothing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Explain it. And he goes, nothing before him. What does that mean? There's always something before. Because... Creation, yes, not the reality. So this is one explanation. Another explanation is, therefore everything that comes after him is not actually reality. Meaning it dies. It has an end point. It's created. It has a creation. So Allah mentions, I am the reality. I am Al-Haq. Now what's beautiful about this? There's another passage in Surah 20 verse 114. So in Surah Taha, verse 114, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, <laughs> High above all is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the king 
the reality. Mm-hmm. So now, there's a report here. So this report explains something. So there's a hadith. So this narration is in Abu Nu'im and Sifat al-Jannah, number 185. Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, 8-280. Kanz al-Umal, number 3,896. Hafiz ibn Qayyim in his Hadi al-Arwah, page 67-8 of the English translation. Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu wajhi, relates. If a person says, La ilaha illallahul malikul haqqul mubin. There is no God but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the king, the reality, the manifest, 100 times every day, then it will be a safety from poverty and the loneliness of the grave. It will also bring him wealth and be a source of rattling the gate of paradise. Subhanallah. Let's look at this. So Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu, he said this is a zikr. Say a hundred times every day, get it into your daily rote. The first bit, La ilaha illallah, so everybody knows that. But then there's three names. La ilaha illallahul malikul, the king. Haqqul, the reality. Mubin, the manifest. La ilaha illallahul malikul haqqul mubin. Then Ali radiyallahu said, you will be safe from poverty and the loneliness of the grave. Then, you will be given wealth and you it is a source of rattling the gate of paradise. It rattles the gate of Jannah. So now what's interesting about this? Hazrat Ali radiyallahu had this on his ring. He had a ring. And he had upon it Malikul Haqqul Mubin. He looked this this zikr. So now this rattling. What is this rattle? Just to mention it. So there's eight gates of paradise. They have a resplendent rattle upon them. In Darimi, in his Sunan number 47, Hafiz ibn Qayyim in his Hadi al-Arwah, page 67 of the English translation, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I will be the first person to hold the chain of paradise. And I say this without pride. So the, the rattle, he'll be the first to hold it. And he described it as a chain, meaning it's quite extensive. In another report, Anas radiyallahu relates that the Prophet sallallahu said, I will hold the chain of the gate of paradise and clatter it. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3148, Hadi al-Arwah, page 67 of the English translation. So there's a rattle and the Rasulullah will be the first to rattle it. So what names are used in the zikr? Malikul haqqul mubin. Allah uses that phrase here in this zikr as well. Haqqul Mubin. And also you'll find it in Surah Nud, Surah 24, verse 25, Surah Taha, Surah 20, verse 114, Surah Mu'minun, Surah 23, verse 116. It mentions in Deilami, in his Mustad Khadib and Abu Nu'im, it was on the ring, Sapphire ring of Ali, radiyallahu. Another very interesting point. In a hadith in Behaki, our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha, radiyallahu, she said, whoever would like to hear the flow of the blessed river of Kofar, should simply put his fingers in his ears. So whoever wants to hear the flow of the river of Kothar, put your fingers in your ears. And when you put your fingers in your ears, describe that sound. So let me ask one of the brothers to do that. What does it sound like? Difficult to describe, you can. But it sounds like a flow, a flow, a flow of a river. 
Aumuda Aisha said that is the that is the floor of the river Kothar. Kothar. So look how close Kothar is to us. Allah has designed us in a way that we can connect to Kothar. Obviously, there's a science behind it. You go to the people who studied the eardrum and the rest of it. That's the science. Thank you for that. What's the reality? No idea. Allah has designed you that you you can actually hear paradise when you feel a bit weak sometimes. You think the world's getting to you. Just sit down. Put your fingers in your ears. Allahu Akbar. Gothans is in my grasp. Rattling the gate of paradise is in your grasp. La ilaha illallah al-malikul haqqul mubin. Look how Allah is making you yearn for paradise. I'm showing you how to get there. So now going back to the verse. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-haqq. And those besides him whom they invoke are falsehood. Verily Allah is the most high, the most great. So in the previous verse, Allah has mentioned the day and night. Use them as your mounts to the hereafter. In the next verse, Allah says, I am the reality. You're coming back to me. For subhanallah, Glory be to him who has created all things and to him you will all be brought back. The very last verse of Surah Yasin. And the report says, there are only two types of return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One is a beloved who the beloved is yearning to meet. And the other is a is a runaway slave who's caught. <laughs> so we don't want to return back to Allah Ta'ala as a slave who's been caught. We want to return to him as a beloved. But Allah Ta'ala has left the ball in your court. So I'll recite the verses. والذين هاجروا في سبيل الله ثم قتلوا أو ماتوا ليرزقنهم الله رزقا حسنا وإن الله لهو خير الرازقين ليدخلنهم مدخلا يردونا وإن الله لعليم حليم ذلك وَمَنْ عَاقَبَ بِمِثْلِ مَا أُوقِبَ بِهِ ثُمَّ بُغِيَ عَلِيهِ لَيَنْسُرَنَّهُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَعَفُوًا غَفُورٌ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ يُولِجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَيُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلُ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلُ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرُ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that makes the Quran the Rabbi of our hearts. We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gives me for any help that I may have in His birth to you.